My name is Mark Solomon, and this is Never Was. I never was too good at seeing the big picture. Never was. Tunnel vision, they say. Uh, not have an idea. Fasten my jaws on it. Never let go. It was, it was way worse when I was excited or angry or upset. The tunnel vision just clamps down. Just not a big picture guy. The, the ironic part is that for, for a long time, I thought that was a good thing. Admirable even. I was singular of purpose, more focused. You know, it brings to mind, uh, I think about this sometimes, one of my favorite movies ever. And uh, now I'm dead serious about this. You may not believe me when you find out what the movie is, but yeah. This, this one scene comes into my head all the time. What, what movie is that, Mark? Well, is it Citizen Kane? No, it's not Citizen Kane. Is it The Godfather? Nope, sorry. Gone with the Wind? I've never seen it. I just named that because I, I, I think people think it's good. I've never seen that movie. Nope, one of my all-time favorites. James and the Giant Peach. I actually have the bus stop poster for that movie. And I might even have more than one of those. But uh, anyway, to the point. If you've seen the movie, you know, squirrely little kid accidentally drops some magic worms, a giant peach grows, blah, blah, blah. He ends up flying around the world inside of a giant peach with a bunch of giant insects, okay? Just see it. It's awesome. But, uh, the thing is, 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 there's this, if I had been James, um, everyone would have died. It would have been a real bummer of a movie. You see everyone there flying around on this peach, on some journey, and uh, they, it occurs to them one day how hungry they all are. And they start to speak fight. And I mean, they're, they're, they're doing the, the old cartoon thing where they like, you know, one of the characters, uh, I think he's supposed to be a centipede. He, he looks down at one of the characters, which is a worm. And, and then he, in his vision, he turns into a little hot dog. That's, you know, it's that. They're, they're, they're starving, they're getting batty, and they start fighting and bickering, and they're angry, and the grasshopper has a higher metabolism and all this stuff. Um, and then, of course, James says, you know, no one's going to starve. A whole ship is made of food. And then, you know, oh, what a clever boy, and they start chomping on the giant peach, and now they're all happy, sugar rush, whatever. Point is, if it's me, I never say that. Everybody dies. Very short, depressing movie. Uh, you know, later in life, um, actually, I say later in life. I mean, I still watch that movie, but 
you know, my wife and I, we, you know, we watch our shows. We got our shows we watch on TV. And one of them is uh, it's Survivor, okay? All right? Judge me. Do whatever you want to. I'm not afraid. So this is sort of a guilty pleasure. We've been watching it for years. It's just kind of a tradition. When it comes on, we watch it. We form all these opinions. We get mad, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I, I, I've always imagined myself being on the show, okay? You know? And I've always hoped that I would... I would be that guy who would like, you know, he's, they, they get presented with these challenges if you've never seen it, which would make like four people. But, you know, they get presented these challenges and, and uh, if it was me, I would just plow, just plow right ahead, not even thinking, you know, oh, you got to do this. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. But there's these, sometimes there's these guys on the show and they just have the ability to kind of step back, look at everything and say, well, you didn't say I couldn't do this and then they just do this crazy thing and you know they always have the edge and they typically win but that's just not me I'm not that guy so you know in line with losing my imaginary appearance on Survivor um, or killing all my buddies while we fly on a giant peach tied off with seagulls um, that's my life I'm, I'm not the big picture guy I rarely see it Sometimes that works out for me, you know. Sometimes the admirable singular focus thing, it actually works. But it's not all the time, you know. Most of the time, I'm plowing forward. I realize I'm way off course. And then I stop and I go, why didn't I think of this before I started, you know. So, with that in mind, what are we going to do this time around? Well... As I have stated before, uh, you know, I wanted a conversation and, and I'm, I'm hoping to get more into the art of what I believe a show like this could be and, and, and what the beginnings of a conversation could look like, you know. When I started out, I had all these ideas of what I want to cover, you know, topics, blah, 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 or not necessarily talk, but, you know, I, wh- what I want to cover, what I want to do. And then I realized that might not be what you want to cover. So, hey, look, everybody, Mark actually got out of his own way and did what? What? Saw the big picture. So today, we're going to read some mail. And uh, I've been really looking forward to this. I, I've, I've been wanting to do this. Um, like I said before, this is supposed to be a conversation and a two-way deal. And since it's not a radio show, the only way we can... We can have a two-way conversation is for you to say something to me. And that's why I gave out that that email address, which, once again, is what? What, students? It is the Twilight Zone, all one word. uh, The Twilight's own, all one word, at ineverwas.com. Send questions. I think maybe in the future we're going to do a little more topical, try and keep things from being so broad. But... For now, I got like, I seriously got like 30, 35 emails. That doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a lot to sift through and try to make a show out of, you know? And if I don't get to your email, I'm sorry. Don't be mad. You know, it it, it doesn't mean I won't get back to it. I, I, may, I may save it. I've, I've actually took a couple of those emails and I stored them away for maybe a, a topical show or something like that, but... This this is um, 
I'm excited about this. I think today's going to be good. I think we're going to have some fun. And, and I want you to think, you know, as you're listening, hey, I think I might have been able to, to put some decent questions to that guy. You know, I got to be honest with you. None of them were really all that challenging. You guys are afraid of. I'm just reading an email. Okay, they're probably not afraid. You're probably not afraid, but you know, don't be hesitant. Here, that's a better word, hesitant. Don't be hesitant to ask or talk about things that you find to be taboo. I don't know. Um, You know, that's the thing though. Taboo or not taboo, safe or slightly unsafe. You, you know, you got to raise your hand in this class or else, uh, you know, the glorified student, a.k.a. teacher's assistant being me, uh, won't, I won't think to call on you. So send in some emails and everything will be fine. I won't even give you any homework, okay? Teacher's assistant who doesn't give you homework. That's cool, right? Okay, except for what I'm going to give you some homework right now. Go watch James and the Giant Peach if you've never seen it before because it's awesome. I think that's good. Let's, uh, let's get into this. What do you say? Never was is, never was, big news. Today's show is brought to you in part by American Dance Party Clothing, found at AmericanDanceParty.com. Look, if you're like me and your body is hideous, um, shouldn't you consider covering it up? I have a pool. I enjoy swimming in it a lot. Uh, My friends enjoy swimming in it. My nephews and my nieces enjoy swimming in it. However, no one, no one at all enjoys seeing the human equivalent of a squeeze bottle of mayonnaise in a pair of swim trunks, okay? That's me. I just gave it to you. Hold on. Put it in your head. Materialize. Make it happen. Okay? Do you want to see that? No, you don't. Scare the kids. So, what better solution than to cover yourself in some sweet threads? Sweet threads. You know, like all the young kids say. Okay. Look. Head on over to the site. AmericanDanceParty.com Click on the About tab and you will see that as if covering one's own body in good looking clothes wasn't enough American Dance Party is also an independent apparel company that uses sweatshop free products We donate a percentage of each item sold to various people and organizations in need We are passionate about and fully committed to our convictions of not exploiting fellow human beings and also helping others through what we do ADP is not a charity. It is a way of life and love that should exist in everything we do as human beings. Running a business should be no different. A dollar should not be placed higher than a life. We pray that what we do might inspire you to find out what you can do. And if we can help you look good while doing it, bonus. So there you have it. If you too have all the definition and attitude of a killer whale, double bonus. That is AmericanDanceParty.com. Go check them out. Cover yourself. But uh, do something nice while you're doing it. Kind of, a, kind of a great idea. Check it out. Show them some love. Show them some love. 
So Cobb from Grand Rapids. Jacob, a.k.a. Cobb from Grand Rapids, where Stavesacre used to play kind of a lot. I think we played there pretty regularly. Um, well, Cobb has posed a question for Ming. Now, if you've been paying attention to this show or to the Urban Achiever podcast, you would know that Ming is the nickname given to me by the guys in Stavesacre for the hideous and uh, really crooked tattoo on my back uh, that is supposed to be Conan the Barbarian. And it doesn't look anything like Conan the Barbarian. It looks sort of like Ming the Merciless from Flash Gordon. And also sort of like I asked some random person to tattoo a a, a 70s biker tattoo on me. um, And I traded him a six-pack of beer. It's just, it's pretty bad. You know, it's old. It's the first one I ever got. Nobody, there was no such thing as tattoo art or anything then. It was just like tattoo artists with piranha tanks in their lobbies. Okay, anyway, Ming asks, uh, what music and bands have you been listening to the most of as of late? Uh, For me, it has been the Deer Hunter. Um, I've never heard the Deer Hunter, so uh, maybe you should let me know what to listen to. Cobb, shoot me an email. Tell me where to start. Don't give me the best stuff first, okay? I want to, I want to warm up to that. All right, give me the good starting point, a good entry level kind of position. I'll find my way from there. Uh, so, Cobb's been listening to the Deer Hunter. I have been listening to, as uh, you may know, uh, if you've seen my Facebook page, Woven Hand. I've been listening to a lot. I actually talked about them on the uh, Black Vinyl uh, Black Vinyl Collective podcast from uh, the Veritas Vinyl guys. We talked about that uh, the other night. <clears throat> um, I don't know. I can't really say enough about them. They're, uh, it's like a different level of writing and composing and, uh, you know, dynamics and power and this like ominous sort of presence behind the music, you know. Uh, I, I just got the 12 inch for Refractory Obdurate. If you hear that album, play the song Hiss and then tell your tough metal band, uh, this is how you write dynamics. Okay. Please do that. Actually, we'd all appreciate it. Uh, let's see. Anything from, uh, anything from Chet Faker. I don't know if you're familiar with Chet Faker, not Chet Baker, Chet Faker. Uh, I don't know. I, I was told the music is trap. I don't even know what that means. I just like it. It makes me feel good. It's got, you know, a certain level of soul, but it's also, um, I don't know. It's not modern R&B, which is what I I really hate. So uh, there's just something different there. Um, And tell you what, if you're a Spotify person, put Spotify on, go to Chet Faker as in faker, as in faked you out. Uh, go to Chet Faker and click on the radio tab and just listen to him and the kind of all the dudes that are in that style. It's it's good. I really enjoy it. Let's see what else. Uh, in terms of like punk rock or or hardcore punk rock that I kind of grew up listening to, I think uh, there's this band I heard on the the GTA Five soundtrack, uh, Fiddler, F I D L A R. I believe that they are making uh, what punk rock should sound like for 20-somethings, you know. 
in the in the twenty teens. It's good. It's it's aggressive. It's massive sounding, but it's also uh, not too serious. Pretty cool. Uh, last but not least, um, I love this band Fink. The dude from that band. Um, maybe I'll maybe I'll I'll bring him back into the conversation later. But you know, he's a DJ. I don't know. He's a he was a DJ, and then he's got this band, and they're good, man. They're really good. Um, I was listening to a, a podcast called Risk, and uh, they played one of his songs, um, Looking Too Closely, and the story that it followed and just the context of everything. Wow. Not something you want to really encourage young people to listen to as far as the podcast is concerned. The music was perfect, man. I mean, I just, I came out of the story, which was pretty heavy, um, but also very touching and looking too, too closely was the song that followed it. And I just immediately had to know who that was, you know, did some searching around and, and, uh, and, and found him. So yeah, I think the, the record that I like is hard believer. It's really good. So, uh, yeah, check them out. Question number two, uh, what have you been doing for work? Well, uh, lately nothing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Nothing. Uh, I've been working on the house. I've been working on this podcast. Uh, I've been rediscovering what it means to have, uh, the residue of pencils, graphite all over the left side of my hand. You know, just, I don't know, rediscovering things that I love and trying to find a way to bring that back out. Um, In terms of regular jobs, you know, I'm not in a bar right now, which is fine. I don't really want to go back to a bar um, unless I own it. So, you know, the other jobs that I take are very intermittent. It's, it's, It's a feast or famine kind of deal. You know, the entire world is shattered once they present themselves and then um, you sort of sit there with your, I don't know, nibbling the ends of your fingernails waiting for the next call. But I do, uh, I teach a medical software called Allscripts. Um, I really don't know why I just said the name of that there. They ain't paying me to do it. Um, and then I also, uh, I do live production, like grunt level live production for sporting events. Anybody who's seen my Instagram or my Facebook, you can see like the pictures of me on the sidelines and stuff. It's not because I'm like hanging out with these people. I'm actually working. Okay. It's hard work, but it's fun. I love it. Um, You know, I never in a million years thought that I would be able to do something like that, but it just, you know, uh, shout out to my buddy, Ryan Luther. He made it happen and um, it's been kind of great, you know, so trying to do more of that if at all possible. Um, all right, question number three. You know, I, when in fairness to you, Cobb, when you wrote this, you didn't realize Patriots or Seahawks. We didn't know that the bad guys would win at the time. Okay, we didn't know. We didn't know. I felt a great disturbance in the force, as if millions of voices suddenly cried out in terror and were suddenly silenced. I feel something terrible has happened. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Something terrible happened. You freaking gave the game away. (laughs) I don't know that I've ever seen anything like this before. I mean, 
I'm not going to say anything that all of America, I mean, not just like a couple pundits, literally everyone, but like three people have said the same thing. You got the game on the line. You're you're at the one foot line. You're not at the one yard line. You're at the one foot line. And you have the single greatest running back in the league right now. Why in the world you throw a ball? I just, it, and watching the YouTube videos of all the Seahawks fans just get their hearts shredded. It bummed me out. Okay. But I, I'm, I have to let you know, uh, you know, I kind of feel a little bit of happiness because Pete Carroll got it. I mean, it's all on him. There's no way around it. You know, Daryl Bevel, yeah, maybe, but Pete Carroll definitely. He's the he's the head coach. He has to take the responsibility. And if if somehow this weird thing turns out to happen where Marshawn Lynch is no longer on the team and he's on mine next year, I will be. I'll feel like we won the Super Bowl. So you can you can do with that what you will. And I'm sorry, my Seahawks buddies. You know. All four of you, I know you're real. I know your hearts are broken, man. I honestly, I couldn't even text anybody. You know, I couldn't send a message to anyone because it's like, dude, have have a little respect, okay? Something tragic has happened. I mean, jeez, oh, it was right there, and the bad guys won. The emperor. The Emperor Palpatine was given the victory. He was handed the victory. The rebellion lost. Everybody got blown up. Commodus. Commodus was allowed to kill the gladiator and walk away from it and go get like a cheeseburger. Just such a nightmare. And all these... One last thing to say. Well, two last things. To all you suddenly trendy... Patriots fans and I think you know who you are especially if you are a known Vikings fan how dare you sir how dare you and to James Big Daddy J Love Reynolds from the bottom of my heart that even though I was 100% right and that the tuck rule no longer is a rule um and I draw no comfort from that whatsoever. Um, I just want you to know that I really mean it when I say that I will have my revenge. Slave! Will you remove your helmet and tell me your name? My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the North, general of the Felix Legions, loyal servant to the true emperor, Marcus Aurelius, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. So Chad, known only as Chad, uh, writes, I am a fan of all your work. Thank you. Uh, well, at least the stuff I've heard. Thank you. Um, I'd love to hear some stories that you do not hear a lot about. At least I haven't seen anything regarding Argyle Park and the musicians responsible for that. Huge fan of Clayton's. That's Cell Dwellers work even today. Uh, let's see here. I know the list is piling up. 
how about hearing some stories from that era? Um, okay. All I remember from the AP thing was jamming with our friend Buka. Um, he was friends with this guy that we kind of knew named Scott Albert, now known as Clayton, um, because we knew him from the band Believer. Uh, and they're back in like the Crucified era. They were like a legit prog metal kind of band uh, back in that time. And um, I think they might have been an REX Records band or an Intense Records. I don't know. Anyway, I, you know, I met him at Cornerstone Festival. I maybe talked to him on the phone here and there, but I, I, did, I wasn't real tight with him. Um, anyway, Buka and Clayton, well, I don't really know how Buka kind of came into the picture. I, I don't know if he just kind of called one day or whatever, but I know that him and Baloo were pretty tight buddies and, uh, and, 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 and Buka and Clayton were friends and, uh, I am yawning. So, um, I don't know. Those two guys always seem to kind of have a lot of stuff going on, you know? Uh, more so than than uh, typical musicians. I mean, we're all trying to get jobs, waiting tables, and uh, they're, let's just say, doing other things. So, um, I don't know. I, somewhere before Stavesacre started and after the, crucif- after the Crucified ended and before Stavesacre started, you know, uh, Buka had me come down to the green room and sing some songs on this project he's going to do. You know, I'm still kind of you know identity crisis uh afterglow you know still trying to figure out what i wanted to do i was i was using the name king solomon um and the henchman which i I don't i don't know why don't ask me why um i have no idea where i was going with that but you know they had me come in and you know and i did some i did some songs on the first ap thing and it was really cool i was you know i was uh, i i think the only thing I ever did at the green room was guest appearances. Like I probably, I sing on like six or seven records and nope, no one still, no one has guessed the one there's one that no one has ever guessed. You know, at this point, can't you just like kind of eliminate some options anyway? Um, yeah, I, I, I did that. It was, it was, a, it was a good time. It was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I think around that time, I think Chatterbox was sort of forming and, and Jeff was, was kind of focusing on the Chatterbox thing. And, um, you know, I did some guest appearances on there. That's kind of what everybody did at the time. I mean, I, I think it's funny because people think sometimes that there was like this, you know, <laughs> that people had like their limo service come and pick us up. We all, all sang on each other's records because we lived in the same apartment half the time. So don't get uh don't get the wrong idea it was very much uh you know oh you're doing a record yeah well i'm not you know i I didn't get a shift this week so maybe i'll come by you know that that's just the way it was but then we made some pretty cool music and of course gene eugene rest in peace had a lot to do with that and he sort of encouraged it actually so you know if anything i'd say that's kind of a, a sweet little caveat there um I think after that, Argyle Park kind of broke up or, or, or Buka sort of shelved it for a while to focus on some other things. But, you know, he and, he and Baloo stayed pretty tight. And then um, once Stavesacre ended up on the road and touring and uh, playing regular shows like that, we, you know, we found ourselves up in New York. And um, at that time, AP had been 
uh, sort of reformed as as AP2, uh, Argyle Part 2. And, you know, Clayton was in his basement. He had this basement somewhere. <laughs> uh, hence the name Cell Dweller. And uh, I don't know if that was in Pennsylvania or if it was in actual New York. Man, I can't remember. But, you know, we happened to be around the same area and we went to the, to the basement and we tracked some songs and, uh, you know, boom, there you go. That's how, uh, that's how I got on there. You know, I don't know Clayton, uh, very well. I just, I know of him and, you know, I know he's done some pretty crazy stuff since then. Been very, very successful. Buka in his own right has been very successful, but you know, mostly what I remember from the Argyle Park slash Argyle Park 2 thing was a barbecue that we had at, in the back of somebody's house. Clank is there and because uh, those guys all kind of knew each other and um, it was just, it was kind of a fun thing because they're, they're all very, they don't care. They they don't care. <laughs> so yeah, you know, um, I don't know. I'm I'm always amazed at that record because it seems to just appear about once every two or three months uh, people go through this kind of you know it's this rise and fall of Argyle Park and uh, I think that's kind of cool uh, some staying power for you know for something that wasn't even really necessarily a band and then of course there's the connection to Stavesacre because our very first show ever was at Cornerstone where we opened up for Argyle Park and um, that was kind of a, a cool thing as well so I don't know that's what I got. Okay. Brian Patton. Uh, now listen, real quick. Brian's emails, is it's a little long, but it's I understand why. You know, he's trying to give some context. Uh, I'm not going to read all of it. He says some very nice things about Speakeasy and, and Stavesacre, which I appreciate. Um, but in order to kind of get the context of what he's saying and I'll I'll read a lot of this here, but just remember also, this, uh, you know, the conversations that I've had with with Bill over these last few weeks. Uh, some of you have heard. So, I understand your comments about Christian records and bands from the '90s and early 2000s not seeming to find staying power as influence. I have friends who, in conversations with me, will talk about growing up having listened to MXPX, Overcome, Stavesacre, Blindside, Strong Arm, Starfire 59, etc. But when you ask about their favorite bands or influences, they talk about Fugazi, The Smiths, The Cure, My Bloody Valentine, The Descendants, and so on. I think outside of Norma Jean, when they were still ludicrous, uh, claimed Zayo as a big influence. But I don't see a lot of young Christian bands talking about older bands as influence. Strong Arm gets a lot of talk from Florida bands. Okay, yeah, now keep in mind, it's not just about influence. It's also, it's, it's that link... I mean, it's, it is influence, but it's that link and that ingraining in your life um, of the songs. I don't know. I, I just still can't quite get my finger on it there. There's something is missing in this description, but I get where you're going. Uh, my best friend and myself are still deeply entrenched in those old school Christian records. Uh, again, sort of skipping ahead. Records from Zayl, Starflyer, etc. Uh, Pedro, Driver 8 are all still huge influences in my life. Uh, tooth and nail, tooth and nail, take hold, face down. They're all record labels that had a huge influence on me and guys I was in bands with in high school, and that music is the music that matters to us. See right there, like I get it. 
I mean, people would probably say that certain labels uh, outside of Christian music or whatever, like people, people probably, you know, identify with specific labels, sub pop, you know, uh, fat records, I'm sure discord, whatever, but I don't know. I don't know. There's just something different. I don't know what it is. Um, okay, continuing on. Sorry. It's not like there was a huge Christian underground scene here outside of DC where I grew up. I was a small, it was a small group of us and Christian radio surely wasn't playing shit I was into. And I think that's why I became such a huge music fan. It was the hunt to find new bands, new labels, new sounds. It fueled my thirst and love for these bands and genres of music because I had to invest my time finding the music that I loved. I'm 30 now. Those records I first discovered when I was 12 in 1996 that introduced me to punk rock and hardcore still mean so much to me. Okay, just to interject, man, I get that. That that pursuit, we talk about that on that on that Black Vinyl Collective show. You know, that pursuit of something and and spending time to try to, you know, finally get that record that you've been looking for, creating that connection with it. I just think that there's so much more happening with music there than the the current format but anyway uh sure i love my bloody valentine the smiths fugazi bad brains etc but it's those christian bands that i first discovered that mean the most to me um are people ashamed to say they were influenced by christian music maybe i don't understand why there were all of these kick-ass records being released and having grown up on that music i don't know why someone would be ashamed to have been influenced by a christian band End rant. All right, so my friend, uh, my friend Sally Grayson, uh, she's in a band called Black Swift. Please check them out. Black Swift. Uh, Sally also used to go by the name Allie. Uh, she was in back in the in in the mortal days. Uh, she was playing with them live a lot. Um, well, Sally and I were talking. She had she had heard uh, a couple of the shows that Bill and I had and. You know, uh, we sent some emails back and forth. She she lives in Europe. Um, what is the email address that she sent it to? The Twilight Zone at INeverWas.com. That's The Twilight's Own at INeverWas.com. Remember that? Um, anyway, we were talking about this. And, you know, she was expressing some frustration uh, and a little bit of concern about this distinction and, and, and maybe kind of going through some of the same things that the bands have gone through for years. Um, but let me say this to start. I, I've mentioned it before. For most people, this topic, this are they ashamed to say they were influenced by Christian music or whatever. I, I think it's the same as calling yourself a Christian band. Like they don't, it's not about shame. It's about respect. It's plain and simple, you know. Not all Christians uh, who play music are ashamed of the gospel or ashamed of being associated with Christianity um, or ashamed of Jesus or believing all sorts of unpopular things in the culture that we live in or whatever. It's, it's not necessarily about being ashamed or, or unashamed. And, you know, that's, that Christian peer, peer pressure thing is definitely worth discussing, but we'll get to that some other day. Um, I just say that, in fact, it's it's oftentimes the opposite, you know. It's not that they're ashamed. Um, uh, it, it's that they're very confident in their beliefs. But they also, you know, they don't want to be stigmatized as being a crappy band. You know, a lot of Christian 
proudly wearing the, the mantle Christian rock is terrible and and has nothing to do with I mean, there are still bands to this day that are made up of people playing quote unquote rock that don't know shit about rock. And they sure as they don't are definitely not listening to what anybody in the real world is listening to. You know, there's still tons of those bands. And unfortunately, they're the ones with the huge budgets and they're the ones that 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 represent (laughs) our little community, you know. Um, But I think. You know, most of it is about respect. It's, it's, um, you, you, the shame issue doesn't get into it. I mean, think of it this way, you know, uh, uh, any, any shitty job that, 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 uh, you have worked or that I have worked, you know, you're judged on performance rather than beliefs, right? You're, you're judged on how well you do the job, um, how hard you work or how efficient you might be, you know, your, your beliefs and your faith have nothing to do with it. You know, no one's getting held back from the register at Chipotle because they believe in the gospel. And then even in fine arts and and visual arts, you know, even in film, there's less hate, you know, Um, there's a, there's a Christian, there's a guy, he's an artist. He happens to be a Christian. His name's Crayola, Greg Simpkins, incredible, incredible visual artist. The Clark Brothers, who many of you are familiar with, you know, they have the invisible creature thing. Dude, they get tons of respect. They get tons of great jobs. They get, they get good work because they do good work and they're judged on that work. But, you know, for whatever reason, music, it just, it's, it's viewed differently. You know, for some reason, it's, it's viewed differently. And, and it's not even just viewed differently. It's, in all honesty, it's classified differently. And that's where the, that's where the jam up comes in. You know, we as humans, I think we tend to, to, we like to classify things. We like to organize things and put them into their little shoe or their little pigeonholes, if you will, you know? Um, and and, and in, in the general market, outside of Christian rock, quote unquote, the concern is, oh, they're just going to, they're, they're going to, you know, brand us as this kind of band. Like you watch the Doors movie, you know? That was the big thing. Like, oh, they're just going to say we're a blues band again. You know, well, they, they try to, they say that about every one of our records. Like, that's the, that's sort of the big concern out there is like, what kind of genre are you going to get thrown into? But, but once Christianity enters the picture, there's a shift and it's a subtle one. It's no longer about genre because they've changed the definition of genre. Okay, rock, soul, R&B, metal, Christian. You see what I'm saying? It's one of these things is not like the other. Okay, so, okay. Gather round, children. It's story time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a little story. It's going to illustrate my point. And it's a story about a little place called allmusic.com. Allmusic.com was a massive uh, web resource, music resource on the internet. And it covered what? All music, all styles, all members, all songs, all the discographies, um, even producers and engineers. And, um, 
at one point in the early aughts, uh, allmusic.com was extremely important. It just, you know, the music industry was changing. Um, American culture was changing because even at, even in, you know, 99, 2000, computers still weren't as common as they are now. And, you know, like lines were being drawn in the sand and allmusic.com, at least at that point, I'm not sure if it's still the case anymore, but at least at that point, it was considered sort of the last word by by a lot of people. I, at the time, was was uh, working a job at a company called Taxi, um, taxi.com, and we used to do music placement for for artists that were members of our group, you know, they would send in their songs and try to get them placed on commercials and radio. We used allmusic.com all the time. And, um, you know, (laughs) there's this strange phenomenon in allmusic.com where you could be playing music in a, in a genre and, and, and you could see the connections between all the bands, you know, but then the second a band is a is a Christian band, they are no longer uh, classified as the style of music. They are now classified as this own, essentially its own genre, which is Christianity. And under that heading of Christian rock or gospel music, which is even a worse term, could be any different style of music, metal, punk, R&B, actual gospel music, you know. Um, it, there was just, it was almost like, oh yeah, you know, you guys can all go over here in your own genre as like a little pat on the head type of thing. And it, it was so frustrating as a musician, you feel like, man, they just don't even, they don't even see us. And then, you know, to illustrate it even further for, for many years when people still did things like buy CDs or buy records in, in actual record stores, you would go to the store and a band you might be looking for, say, MXPX, or say, uh, more personally, The Crucified, or Vengeance, or any of those bands back in that day, um, and even later on, you know, MX, MXPX, or, or Starfire, or whatever, if any of these bands, you know the style of music that you would find them in. You could go to a little section, like Shoegaze, or, or Punk Rock, or, you know... Um, uh, post-punk and, 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 you know, all these, the different styles that, that we felt applied to the style of music we would play. And then you go in there and you can't find your record anywhere. Look all over it. Look all through the entire punk rock section. You cannot find your record in there. Wait a minute. Look up, look around. There it is. The gospel music section. And there, stuck behind Sandy Patty, is Stavesacre. So that's why when allmusic.com kind of became its own th- this 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 presence on the web they started using that same mentality and for myself a person who grew up in record stores it always felt like just like you punk ass that's totally intentional you know it's like little pat on the head you go sit at the kids table so back to allmusic.com uh, when we first really started looking towards it as a resource, you could go there and look up Stavesacre. And um, if you didn't know anything about them, about my band Stavesacre, you could go to the related artists section and, you know, 
maybe you would recognize a, a band that you knew for a style of music that you were used to listening to. And you'd say, oh yeah, they're kind of in this genre. So I'm going to go over the list of the bands. And man, some of these bands, I just checked before I recorded this today. Some of these bands are still on there. (laughs) Still on there as related artists for Staves Acre. Number one, the one that jumps right off the page. White Cross. Uh, no. Look, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm not saying anything about anything. I'm just saying there's no way in the world the allmusic.com gurus said, oh, that sounds just like Stavesacre. Okay, so, you know, maybe mistake. It's an, it's an accident. Who's next up on the list? Oh, that sounds interesting. Let's hear, uh, let's hear one bad pig. starting to feel somebody over at allmusic.com needs a refresher course or something. Right? I mean, not that can be intentional. So it's got to be just maybe a lack of education. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm having a hard time doing this. It's like, that was Guardian, by the way. There's, dude, come on. There's no way. There's no way you think that's the same thing. That's, you're just being a dick now, you know? And you, somebody over there has like an axe to grind or something. Cause not only is that like, it's like you're off by like 10 years. So, okay. One band who was associated with us from the very beginning, uh, right at that same time, and I always thought this was so random, because there is like a slight connection musically, slight. Um, You know, I would associate this band a little more with maybe uh, Alice in Chains or like a Godsmack, which I felt like was kind of a step, especially like the Godsmacks and the Disturbs or whatever, that's the new metal thing. And we weren't really trying to go there. We were trying to keep it closer to like our own thing. Uh, but you know, being associated with those bands, maybe it wasn't ideal, but it wasn't the worst thing to ever happen. You at least kind of in a similar genre, right? So I'm going to, I'm going to play this band first and then I'm going to tell you their name and you tell me, you, you be thinking, was it the name or the music that that was related to Stavesacre. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> nah, nah. Listen, <clears throat> that band's name is Sam Black Church. So, what do you think? You think uh, you think they're in there because our music is so similar, or is it the fact that the word church is in their name? Now, these poor bastards, they got stuck in there with us. They're probably super bummed that they were listed in there with us next to all these other groups. But anyway, I could go on further. I'm not going to. Uh, and there's like, you know, I wanted to talk about the bio, which is a travesty of journalism. It misses like three albums. I have to read one thing. It just, it just kills me. Um, By the time of their Nitro Records debut, Stavesacre, the band had fully transitioned into an emo band. Okay, I don't even need to go any further than that, aside from that being crap. Uh, it's just, to get back to the original point, it's, it's, it's this respect issue. You feel like they're trying to make a point by dumping you in to with all these bands that sound nothing like what you're doing. And then sometimes, you know, again, this isn't being a kiss ass. I'm just saying like whatever kind of music you like, that's what you like. But during the time that Stavesacre came around and even in the crucified, like we were trying to get away from a style of music that permeated the airwaves. And, you know, we wanted to do our own thing and, so to have to to see yourself just lump back in there, it's just like it seems like a vendetta of some kind. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not nothing as petty as that. But it sort of feels like it might be, you know. And you know, you, you, going back to to the bands being ashamed to say they were influenced by certain certain groups, I mean, that could have a lot to do with it, man. You. You just never know. And especially when you're really trying, you're trying to hustle and get your, your group heard out there. You get labeled as something that's maybe dated or uh, irrelevant. That actually goes beyond disrespectful and it goes into just like straight up mean. And, you know, uh, the one thing that I, I, I promised myself I would admit um, is that it kind of hurts, you know, it's like. It sucks that it hurts. It sucks that that's the truth, but it is. You feel like somebody just went, oh no, your band sucks. And you know, if my band sucks, then come straight out and say we suck. Don't, don't say we sound like something that's 15 years old, you know, don't. And, and, you know, I feel like so many bands are wary of that very same thing. And it's, Again, I don't think it's about being ashamed of being a Christian. I don't think it's about being ashamed of believing things that are unpopular. I really think it's about trying to work hard on music and getting judged by your music, you know? Um, Again, I go back to the band Woven Hand. I mean, that guy, whether or not you know it or not, if that dude's not a Christian, I'm Peter Pan, okay? His lyrics are so fully... uh, there's definitely something happening there and and it's and, and it even might even be good doctrine but the point is, is he never comes out as like you know christian rock guy or he's just a musician who just gets like mad respect and the fact is 
the you know I, I think he did it the right way. He 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 went to get respect for the music, you know, um, so that you at least even have a voice in that world. And then I think your integrity and your um, your honesty will eventually shine through, and your faith would shine through. So. Anyway, for anyone who's not a Christian that might be listening to this, you may be bored out of your mind right now. I'm sorry. I'm going to keep on going. So. Um, okay, to the final question. And I, I got to wrap it up here or else Billy's going to lose it on me again. I like how I blame him for everything. <laughs> uh, let's see. From Bayan Madendorp. Uh, my question is what? My question is, what is your biggest regret from your days in the Crucified and Stavesacre? Uh, what is your biggest success? What was the weirdest lesson? Okay, obviously, I can't. The weirdest lesson could be 1,500 ones. And, and, and the regrets are many. Um, but I'm gonna, I'll go into two, and I'll try and be brief, okay? Um, this is kind of the reason why I placed this question here, because I think it, it relates to the one before it. But a big regret that I have is that, you know, I didn't see the big picture. I didn't pause and and assess my surroundings. Uh, you know, my bands never just played the jams and let the music speak for itself. We didn't, you know, we didn't allow ourselves to be confident that God did not require some sort of proof of loyalty, you know. Uh God is not Commodus <laughs> from Gladiator. Uh, it, it, instead of seeing this gracious and all-knowing sovereign God, we, you know, we, we saw something else and, and that's a regret. You know, we didn't take a stand against uh, religiosity and, and, and dogma and fear-based motivation. Um, you know, and, in, and as a result, through one way or another, you know, we ended up in that very familiar pigeonhole. And, um, I think if, as a regret, I, if I could go back, I would, I would, I would go back and change that for sure. I would, you know, really, what it comes down to is you're, you're trying to control things, and and I would just stop trying to control everything. You know, what did I say before? Man makes the plans, and God laughs. Well, uh, God laughs regardless. You know, so just stop, stop trying to control it all. Um. Let's see here. The other question, or well, the other answer uh, to the big regret. And um, I may talk more on this uh, on another episode later, but another big regret that I have, uh, and one with this whole big picture thing in mind, is that, you know, I didn't give myself what I like to call a pressure release. Uh, what's a pressure release? Uh, you know, what is, what are you talking about? Uh, it's everything, man. It's everything. It's, it's the, it's a huge, it's, it's the difference between being smart and seeing the big picture and owning your shit and, and, uh, the difference between that and then desperation. That gap is massive. You see, um, okay. What if the music doesn't work out? You know, that you hear it from the parents all the time. You hear it from the friends. What if it doesn't work out? You know, what are you going to do then? You need a backup plan. Okay. That's terrible advice. Don't give it to people anymore. Stop it. Knock it off. The moment you bring up the dreaded backup plan, 
any, any real artist is kicking. He's bucking it already. A backup plan to a passionate and, and convicted artist. It's, it's an implication of, of an expectation of failure. And, you know, uh, it, it makes it makes it makes you fight even that harder. It makes you dig your heels in, you know, and not in a good way, really. You know, it's natural to want to prove your detractors wrong. It's natural to to want to say, oh, yeah, you think I'm going to you think I'm going to fail. Then huh? we'll watch this, you know, and especially when you're young and dumb and you think, you know, everything, you know, it's 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 easy to to go. I don't know. You just you, you put your back up against the wall. People think I'm going to fail. And then you start panicking, you know. Um, a, a pressure release is different from a backup plan in the way uh, a skilled fighter who knows the right holds and the takedowns and, and, and ex- executes them with precision, you know, knows what his next move is going to be. It's the difference between that kind of fighter and then the, just the, the flailing haymaker guy who's just looks like Keystone Cops, you know, swinging his arms around in, in panic. So in terms of regret, um, I just I wish that's, that I'd have figured this out on my own. I wish I'd have, I'd have figured out that, that uh, a pressure release or some sort of, you know, thing on the side of music, not necessarily outside, but, but aside from music, I think that that would have helped a lot. Well, that's the same thing, Mark. No, it's absolutely not the same thing. See, the difference between a backup plan and a pressure release is that, is that a pressure release allows you some comfort and some stability while you are pursuing art. A backup plan says you're going to fail What's what's plan B? Okay. Pressure release is plan, uh, you know, A slash one. It's, you know, I wish I'd have learned, you know, uh, entertainment law. I wish I'd have learned how to be a programmer, you know, so I could engineer along the way. I wish I'd have learned gear. You know what I mean? Like these kinds of things that, that could have directly enhanced it. Graphic artists even. Just anything that that I could have been pursuing with the same amount of passion because and this is why is is a pressure release allows you to step back and make smart decisions free of desperation and panic and and honestly that's where the regret is i have said things i have i have oh my gosh some of the things that have come out of my mouth at the at the worst possible times even if they had the best intentions behind them they all stemmed from panic you know, you're in this one spot, you're in front of a, of, of a record producer who can actually, or a record label that can actually sign your group and give you the deal that you always wanted. And then uh, you're suddenly not yourself. That's the, that's panic, man. That's somebody on the lamb. Uh, no, that's panic. It's, it's, you know, the, the, the person with that release and the person without that sense of panic is, is met by opportunities and seize those opportunities for what they are opportunities it, it, they pause they think and then they act and and they those opportunities they don't just grasp them they say hey is this the best thing for me there are plenty of times along the way where i should have said no but i didn't i didn't have that training 
so yeah, there's, there you go. I hope that answers the question. I hope that made sense. I, you know, I regret not sticking to my guns or not at least being aware that I should stick to my guns really. And, uh, I regret not, um, doing something that uh, along the way would have kind of helped me be better at what I was doing, if that makes any sense. So there you have it, folks. That was our, huh? There was the letters. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for writing in. Thank you for contributing. Thank you for starting some conversation and uh, I hope to continue it and uh, you know maybe next time we'll do something a little more straightforward a little more topic oriented see uh, where the where everybody's at and um, okay Uh, as before I want to say thank you to American Dance Party for uh, contributing to the show you can find their stuff at americandanceparty.com I also want to say this show was produced by Mr. Billy Power, who uh, runs his very own show, the Urban Achiever Podcast, or Urban Achiever Show, whichever. Urban Achiever Podcast is what you'll find it on iTunes, and uh, you can go to urbanachievershow.com and uh, find it on the internet. You can download his shows there. You can download my shows at ineverwas.com. Just go to the podcast link. You can download it straight from there, or you can find me on iTunes as well. Uh, in the meantime... Uh, I want to thank the our, our, our four contributors tonight, uh, Cobb and and Brian and Brian and um, Chad, and in in part Sally. It's great to hear back from you, and uh, maybe we'll get her on the show sometime soon. Until next time, thank you very much for listening. Uh, Rainbow out. <laughs>